All right. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So we'll get started where everyone else does. As far as earliest childhood memories, what are we getting into as a kid? I don't, I don't, I'm not somebody that remembers when I'm like five, six, seven. All right, let's go, uh, let's go eight. What do we got at at eight? Yeah, I mean, really the earliest things that I remember kind of vividly are playing rec soccer as like a elementary school kid playing just like i mean you just sign up and you go and you get put on a team with whoever else his parents decided they wanted to play soccer (laughs) and uh not not being that good at first and just kind of being a kid there and that's that's kind of how i remember my life it's like stages of different soccer teams and different soccer abilities and (laughs) Those those are my my landmarks more than anything else, I guess. Yeah. So growing up playing soccer towards your first memories, was that something you always knew you wanted to play? Was it were you trying to be like somebody else? Why was it soccer? Um, I mean I tried everything when I was little. Played basketball, soccer, tennis, baseball, swimming, pretty much everything. I was, the thing is I was just bad at everything else. Okay. <laughs> I was and I was like I wasn't it's not that I like had a ball on my foot and I was good. I just wasn't bad. And then I got, I was all right as I got a little bit older. And then I was like, oh, I, I'm all right at this and I really enjoy it. And the other thing I liked was basketball, but I was absolutely horrific at basketball. <laughs> so I was like, all right, soccer it is. And then yeah, it, uh, I loved it. And then I was, yeah, again, being not bad, not, not really good, but not bad. <laughs> I was like, all right, I'm just going to kind of throw everything into this. Okay. So heading into middle school, were you just playing soccer at that point or what was your middle school career like? So at that point, I think I was still running track as well. Okay. And then I, so I was probably 12 when I stopped doing anything else. Okay. So I was, I think I quit track like halfway through the season because I, I was like, this is all this running is making me tired for soccer practice <laughs> right after. That's so fantastic. I, like, I went up to, yeah. I went up to the coach who was like my Spanish teacher or something. I was like, I, I'm not doing this anymore. Yes. <laughs> he was like, all right. He was like, all right, you're not, I wasn't any good at it anyway. <laughs> like I wasn't, I wasn't running in the top heats. Um, <laughs> so they didn't, I mean, they didn't miss me. Right. But uh, yeah, so probably 12, 12 years old is when I stopped playing any other sports competitively. What what event? Soccer. What event were you running at track? I I think like eight hundred okay. because it was it was the, I think it was the shortest distance that you didn't have to actually be good at to run. Yeah, because um, there was I mean you you can't have like five hundred hundred meter sprinters right. So like you, but you can have about as many 800 runners as you want yeah. if you just put them on the track and they run. So I think that's what I did. Um, and I ran a little bit of cross country, okay, but not not a lot. I was a very unnaturally gifted athlete, <laughs> so I knew, and I knew that. I mean, everything I heard at that point, it was like, all right, to 
play soccer well, you have to be in good shape. And to be in good shape, you have to run a lot. Yeah. So I would just run. Yeah. Like, they would just what I did was I ran. Like, I, we have a, there's a lake in the neighborhood next to my parents' house. Okay. And it's 2.56 miles around. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So I would run, like, I'd run two laps around the lake. And I have, so, like, there's a map, my run app, but I would use it every time. Uh, there's so so many 5.12 mile runs in my my run that's dedication like, right there because as soon as you start on that second one like you're going <laughs> yeah you yeah you can't be like a mile and a half in and be like uh now nah, i can't get it's not like you can just take the short right. through because it's a late <laughs> like, <laughs> you have to go all the way around and i mean i was like 14 15 running that sometimes like every day yeah and I mean, it got down to like, for what, for me are good times, like under, I don't know, six minutes, mid five. I was like, that's phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, it was like, I, the amount of times I ran it, like I would hope that I was getting pretty good times. <laughs> and, uh, I think, I think that was a kind of precursor to a lot of the physical issues and injuries and, yeah just fragileness that came <laughs> just, on just go 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 yeah and i mean there were so many things wrong with it so many things wrong with it like i would i'd wake up really early because i really liked thinking i was good because i could run at six in the morning or something and i would have gone to bed at like midnight so i'm running five miles on six hours of sleep yeah. and not i i never ate enough just because i was doing things all the time mm -hmm. And uh, running form, horrible. Just, like, no, I mean, warm-up's not super necessary, but, like, no, literally, my warm-up was walking from my house to the corner, and then I'd just start going. Oh, that's enough. You're good. Um, You're good. Yeah, plenty. <laughs> my mom was like, you have to do something. I was like, no, the running is my warm-up and the work. I got five miles warm-up, Mom. Fine. Yeah, really, I'll just run the first 800 yards slower, and then I'll pick it up. No, it's. I'm. I'm gonna. Cl was, I'm gonna yeah. clip this part and send it to my mother because she runs <laughs> quite a bit. Like she's done marathons and she primarily does uh, triathlons now. And like she's a she's a good athlete. And exact same thing. Ah, no. Like I'll just I'll, I'll just run a little bit slower. It's fine. It's fine. But and I'll, yeah, then I'll pick it up. <laughs> yeah, I. The thing with the the running also is that I. So I still still play whatever you could call it semi professionally soccer now yeah. i don't really don't really get paid but i don't pay for anything um and i'm in much better shape than i am i w am i'm currently in much better shape than i ever was before yeah. and i haven't actually gone on a run in at least probably 5 or 6 years my man who i'm quitting running right now <laughs> well, if you want to be good at running, you have to run. All right, but... I will continue running. <laughs> All right, so but I don't. Yeah, let's let's throw I don't it need back. To be a runner. Let's throw it back to uh, that uh, middle school season where we quit track. Mm. Um, it's, yeah. All right. Sorry, Spanish teach. It's over. Um, <laughs> you had your chance, but you lost me. Uh, what was our idea? going into soccer was it hey we're going to take this pro or i just want to play soccer what's going through our head 
hard to tell at that point because yeah. I mean, so I was, I think it was 12 in seventh grade and I would have been still wasn't playing like actual club okay. ball. I was like one level above rec, but like not really like in the full club yeah. system. At that point, it was like, I, I still think at that point, it was just, I just really like doing this. And I, like, I like going to, that was kind of the age where I started to really enjoy training. Okay. So I would, I mean, I would have all our team trainings, whatever, two or three times a week. But then I was like, mom, sign me up for these camps, like any of the camps. And then at that point, I would start to, we built the soccer goal out of PVC pipes in my backyard. Nice. I was, I, yeah, uh, I was, I was out there. I ruined the grass. Like I ruined the grass <laughs> in our backyard out there for, for some, and it was at that point, I don't think I had the idea that maybe it crept in my mind. Like maybe I'll be a professional soccer player. Like that sounds kind of fun. Yeah. Um, but it, when I'm that young, I don't think I have the kind of, wherewithal to make that kind of a goal yeah i think at that point it was like let's just let's just keep training like my i have soccer, friends that play soccer it's like let's i get to go hang out with my friends at soccer practice right. and i can and i like these extra trainings i don't know why necessarily that i like them but it's i just did so many and that's that kind of two two years like seventh eighth yeah was where i went from not bad to actually being pretty good. All right, let's go. What what was it that you needed? Was it foot skills? Was it shooting? What what were we getting? So I, yeah, I mean, I was a scrawny little kid. I, I, uh, I had coaches that they were like, they would call me vertically challenged. It was, it was and sometimes I was playing with kids that are like a year or two older than me. Yeah. Like you call me vertically challenged, but like maybe in two years I'll be the right height. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I, mean, I had a little bit of a little bit of speed, a little bit of quickness, but it was just the only reason I became good was because I spent so much time on that technical, the technical aspect, like having the ball on my feet okay. and doing fun things, finishing. Um, yeah, just being really good on the ball is what made up for everything else that I didn't really have. Yeah. Um, and kind of opening up my bag of tricks. Like I, that was, I mean, that was my thing when I was younger was I had all the, I could do all the moves. Like that's fantastic. I could play, I could put, yeah, I could pull anything out of my hat. It might not work, but I could do it. Yeah. Um, and I would do it in games. Like I would do, especially like early in high school. And I guess at late middle school, like I, I would just do ridiculous things in games for no reason. Like I could have made it a normal pass, but like I made it a back heel because it was fun. Yeah. And uh coaches would get mad at me, but it was like the ball got there. Right. It was like but uh Deception. And then eventually I sort of <laughs> Yeah, I, I didn't deceive anybody, but I thought it looked cool. Yeah. Um Yeah, so that's that was that was my thing was being technically very good mm-hmm. um to make up for the lack of natural so I didn't not lack of physical ability and then lack of 
my brain didn't always work as fast in the field yeah. as some of the other players. So that was kind of my uh, way to make up for it. it. Was like, all right, if I can do everything cleaner, I don't have to think as fast. Yeah. Like if I can take this touch and I can get it settled down half a second faster. Yeah. And you just think half a second faster, we're in the same spot at that point. Um, which works to an extent. But the thing is spending so much time on, and this is one of the debates we have in ATG, is spending so much time on the software yeah. of like how how things work in my brain and how fast I can process and do technical things. I didn't spend enough time on the hardware. Mm. So my body started to break down around that, that time. So like, I think I was, I missed about a season, a season when I was in eighth grade Really? because of, uh, yeah, I had a knee, I had a knee issue from, uh, lack of quad strength and then some it band glute med issues yeah. being super tight there. And yeah, so I missed, fair quite a bit of time way more time than you should as an eighth grader just having knee pain yeah um so i eventually i got over that some pt and it that's a hard it's a hard thing to miss a lot of time um when you're young and this is what i tell people sometimes it's like it's almost less important to be really gifted when you're young as it is to don't miss any time when you're young yeah like be able to train nonstop from when you're whatever, 12 to 16 or eight to 16, just to not have to miss any time. Cause like, if you imagine how much you're learning at that point, like if I thought I can think back to like 12 to 13, it's a huge, huge jump there yeah. in your ability to play. And you can, when you're that young, you can recover. Like it's right. Like the next day you're fine. You can, we would play four games in three days and now it's that's, Nobody at a higher level would do that. You'd ruin your body. <laughs> but yeah, but it's like we, you can recover so fast. You can play so much. Yeah. So if you think about how, how much you're going to fall behind in three months, six months, nine months, yeah. it's the most important thing at a young age. And even when you get into a little bit older is not missing time, being durable mm -hmm. and being able to, like, I'd rather, I would rather have you be freaky durable than freaky athletic. Yeah. And a lot of times they come together. Um, but I would pick durable over athletic any day. It's a lot easier to, you can build durability yeah. and you can build athleticism, but it's a lot easier to build athleticism out of durability than it is durability out of, out of athleticism. Yeah. I, th I think I remember growing up. So I, I, I played soccer all the way till freshman year of college and uh like we'd always have like warm-ups and stuff like that and my coach would be like why why can't you touch your toes um and <laughs> i was just like chronically tight like i would i would do yoga and uh the yoga instructor would be like trying to help me out and it's like it this was just not happening uh i would walk downstairs sideways uh because my oh, Achilles were so tight or whatever it was like the it was excessive that's bad um <laughs> so like it, it was uh it was a good time uh, it was a long time so that that i was amazed that i never like tore anything um but maybe it's because it wasn't too loose 
I think that's a lie. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I for for me as a player, I was more of the okay. I knew what was going on. Uh, I was fat and slow, uh, thanks to my thyroid. Um, <laughs> so like my my uh, a coach would come up to me and like after practices and be like, hey, and like talk to me and my mom be like, hey, you know what? Like if you lost weight and got faster. Like we got a spot for you up on the A team, but I could I could beat no one to the ball, but the only way I was going to beat someone is if I knew the ball was going that direction before anybody else did. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> like, I had to think ahead of time, and uh, it was just like in college I finally lost weight and was like, this is this is so much more fun. Like this is this is great. Um, but I never had those like one-on-one skills. Like I could never whip anything out. It was like a step over turn in. Like that's what, that's what we're rocking with here. <laughs> that's what that was. This is something interesting. So I, that's what I, I had, like I, we were the exact opposite. Like I had all the tricks, but I, I didn't know where I was in space at all, yeah. but it, so it, it created a lot of bad habits actually, because I got so good at working my way out of horrible positions with two guys on me. That I would just dribble into like terrible, terrible spots. I never wanted. It was one like, I was like, I can get out of it. Like, <laughs> yeah, I was like, I, I'll be able to get out of it. It doesn't matter. Like, let me. The coach was like, dude, you just pass out of it. It was like, why? It's a lot cooler if I dribble out of it, and I will. <laughs> yeah. And it's, eventually, players get better, and it's like you can't always dribble out of a two-on-one or something. So it's yeah, it's <laughs> funny being the opposite and what kind of. I'm sure you you would get some great habits of. Having being so it's the same way if you're not athletic, you have to develop some really good yeah. habits of like you have to do things right. <laughs> but if you're athletic and you have all the tricks, you can Mr. Fundamental at lower levels, yeah. <laughs> yeah. See that's I was the opposite. I was like, let's let's just do the let's do the fun, fancy things. And yeah. It I mean it helps to have that base when you go forward, but it's like it would be easier to have the base of being really fundamentally good. Yeah. Well, the the problem is I wasn't getting any faster. I was my thyroid. Like, so I I I took HGH as prescribed by the doctor, um, and I was five four, and I stayed there for like a year and in middle school, and that was that's not that's not a good look. Um, and then, <laughs> and then finally towards the end of high school, I I got up to six one, still fat though. And I was like, what is going on here? <laughs> but but by college, I thinned out. I was like, this is great. Funny thing, yeah. <laughs> uh, if my college coach is listening, he's like, oh, you, you played at Batavia? I'm like, yeah, I did. I only played freshman and sophomore year. <laughs> the, <laughs> the senior coach came up to me. He's like, hey, we'd love to have you on the team. It'd be great, but you're slow. Like, get on the treadmill like and stuff like <laughs> that. <laughs> and like I would work out all the time. I was on the cross country team. Like I I ran. <laughs> it just was not happening. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the interesting thing to to jump forward in time. I from being like I hit a hundred pounds. I think like my eighth grade, seventh or eighth grade year. I was tiny. Oh, I think tiny. I was hitting that middle school. <laughs> yeah, that's where that's where I and um, but. Fast forward to college. Yeah. I mean, I even as a freshman up there in top three to five most athletic kids on a D one team, yeah. and then by the time I was a senior, it was like pretty clearly me as the most athletic kid pushing. And then we'll get to it eventually. I would imagine yeah. pushing through a lot, a lot of injuries, 
And the thing, the interesting thing is we would do testing in a top three or winning most of the tests, but I also was perennially top three or even the most fit kid on the team in the fitness test. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I said it before, I didn't run. I never ran. Yeah. I, I, in the summers, I didn't do any fitness. Like I, I mean, I hate, I hated doing fitness and I would play a little bit. I would play on some teams or something, but people would be like, dude, how, why are you, how are you winning these tests? And we would do like the yo-yo test where you're running back and forth. I was like, I'm just so much stronger than you that I'm not trying as hard to do this test. People would be like, oh, well, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I was like, you just, you, you guys just have to get stronger. And like, yeah. it, the, the pace is the same for everybody. And it just gets sl- faster and faster. It's like, I'm just not working as hard. Like I'm quite a bit faster than you. So I'm just, I'm running at 15% when you're running at 30. Right. And then when we get to the top, I'm still running at 85 and you're at a hundred. Like I can just go so much faster. So it's, that's not that it doesn't help to go for runs every once in a while. Maybe it would have helped me, but I don't think I needed it. And I, I think that's something that people a lot of times put too much effort on. Yeah. Like it's like, all right, I'm going to do my, my lifting after I run my five miles on the treadmill. It's like, all right, just how about you just lift with shorter rest periods and right. do some sled and you'll get all your cardio in that you need and it'll be way more effective. So, so did you stop running that five mile loop after you had that first injury? No, no. <laughs> um, I don't, I like slowly stopped running it. I probably quit running it entirely. Like, I was probably 16 or 17. Okay. Well, cause it, at that point I was like, I was beat up. Mm-hmm. Like as a 16 or 17 year old, I was beat up badly. Like I missed the majority of my high school senior season at 17 with ankle problems. And then I had all kinds of like toe and lower leg issues. So I, at that point it was like, well, I probably can't run. Yeah this five miles and I need to preserve any sort of life I have left mm-hmm. in my, in my ankles for when I do play. Cause it was that, I mean, that was my ankle problem started probably 15 or 16. Okay. And that was, I didn't really understand what was going on, but I could tell it was like my barometer for how much work I'm doing. Like if I'm playing a lot and playing a lot of games and training a lot, the ankle pain is going to come. And when I'm not doing so much, the ankle pain isn't so bad. So as soon as my ankle started to tighten up and get painful, it was like, oh, I'm, I need to back off a little bit. Yeah. And it wasn't, it wasn't that much work that I had to do to get them to kind of start causing those problems. And then I mean that all kinds of other things, but yeah. So I, I, I think 16 is probably about the last time I ran that five. Yeah. I, I could tell that that app is still on my phone, but. I, I haven't looked at it in years and years. You don't need that type of negativity. No. <laughs> so when when you're injured or not doing as much uh, soccer, did you focus any more at school? Did you enjoy academics at all? It uh, it was something that was fairly fairly easy for me. Okay. Um, I had some friends that were really really smart and. 
I, mean, I wasn't as smart as they were, but I was really competitive. So one of my buddies who is genius, genius kid, he's like, he never studied. So I was like, oh, if he's not studying, I don't want to study, but I can't get, I can't get worse grades than him. So I had to figure out how to do really well in my classes without studying just because I was a competitive little idiot. Love it. And I, and I, I mean, I did, I did, I did really well in high school and then I went to a high school that was academically really rigorous. Okay. Um, so I got to college and it was a piece of cake in business school. Um, that's I, I what, so it, was it a prep school? Was it a private school? What, what no, it was just pub, public school, really. But it's like so, Colwell High School in uh, just north of Indianapolis. Okay, if anybody's listening, uh, go Greyhounds. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's so there's we had we had 1300 kids in my class, okay, so there were like five, somewhere over 5,000 kids in the high school. Um, and it's, I mean, it's, it gets the reputation of the, uh, I guess, like snobby rich kid high school. Nice. Because there's, there's parts of Carmel um, that are really, really nice. Because mm. it's just north of Indianapolis. Like, they border. Yeah. And uh, if you don't want to live downtown, that's probably your best bet is to go live on the, uh, the west side of Carmel. Okay. I mean, that that's i had friends who lived over there or over there a fair amount but it's well it's neither here nor there but it's they we had plenty of kids in my school going to ivy leagues and gotcha kids they, the thing we all the being was there so many kids there's a lot of really really smart kids but there's a ton of really gifted athletes yeah. too so the I mean, the best example is the girls swimming and diving team at Carmel has won the state tournament for, I think, thirty something years in a row now. Our school, the longest, the longest, longest record ever in any high school sport. <laughs> oh, we have, we yeah, we had an Olympic-sized pool with the diving thing, and then they're adding another one on right now. I think. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that I mean, that's the thing. Like our, my high school soccer facilities were nicer than my college soccer facilities that's insane and the weight room was better yeah i mean it was really ridiculous ridiculous school if you think about it <laughs> um and the number of really really good soccer players that have come out of i mean just the area around my school but i mean one of the kids i remember one kid transferred because he and this is the story i remember is that he they wouldn't let him miss so much time because he was playing on the youth national team. And so they were like, you can't keep missing this so much time, but it's like, I mean, this kid's traveling around the world to Europe, South America right. to play, to captain one of the youth national teams for soccer. So, I mean, so we transferred to a private school. They was like, I don't care. You can do whatever you want. Right. Um, and there's, I know a couple other kids that went pro soccer from, migrated in the grade above yeah. and there's some like it's when you have that many kids it's it's really it's really really competitive with everything yeah like uh there's almost nobody plays two sports okay you get 
And if you if it is two sports, you'll have like a football and a track guy that don't that kind of feed off each other. But you're almost never going to get like a football, basketball, soccer, basketball, football base. Almost none. Yeah. It's it's just there's so many kids and there's there's people are so good that it's just not going to happen. So that I don't remember where that <laughs> that uh no that I, came I was from, just wondering but, like. Other than soccer, what was what was going into like your high school? Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's I, I mean, it really was mainly just soccer. Yeah. Like I, that was one of the benefits of figuring out how to do a lot of my classes without studying mm-hmm. was that I could just play FIFA and train as much as I wanted for the rest of the day. Yeah. Like I, I mean, I would we go to class and practice, and then I would or. In like club season, it was like I go to school, whatever. I drive straight from school to the gym, lift for however long, come home and eat, and then it's like off to practice. Yeah. And you get back at like eight or nine. It's like, well, I don't really want to do this homework, so just get it done really fast and go to bed. Yeah, and uh, eat where I can, and uh, run myself into the ground. What what did so I, what did uh, yeah. nutrition look like uh, at your household? Um. So my my mom lived around the world when she was when she was younger. She lived in India, Kenya, Korea, Japan. Okay. So we we ate a lot of a lot of different things, um, and so I mean, my mom made most of the food, and it was I mean a lot of vegetables, a lot of kind of not necessarily like lean meats, but like a lot of meat and vegetable, yeah. and then a ton of rice. So I mean my my mom's mom is from Japan. Like she's 100 percent Japanese, okay. so it, we ate rice every day. Like it, white rice was just—it was always there. Yeah. We never didn't have it. But it, I mean, it was like we'd have curries and stir fries, and then my dad's family is farmers. Okay, um, so we would get a, a lot of beef from them. So then we'd have beef every once in a while, and it was—it's about as big of a crazy of a mix as you can you can have except i ate i ate a peanut butter and jelly bagel every day for lunch for probably pushing six years <laughs> getting after it i that's one thing i tell people like if i if there was one stat i could see from my life it's how many peanut butter and jelly bagels i've eaten because it's i swear to you it's over five thousand. <laughs> like i because i would eat it for lunch every day yeah. and sometimes i would come home and have another one it's not and nutritionally poor like that was that is not that is not fueling what i was trying to do yeah but i didn't at that point i was very um nutrition didn't get come into my mind Mm -hmm. it was like train 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 and then i mean just eat just eat when you're hungry or something yeah which probably was a mistake um not as big a mistake as some other things but probably would have helped to eat well but did did you feel like you had a, a pretty good relationship with food? It wasn't like, oh, I'm, I'm I need this image, so I'm not going to eat, or you ate too much, or oh yeah, no, I didn't. I never really had the. Um, I'm I was also super super skinny, mm-hmm. so I was never once that I said I have to eat less. <laughs> um, That's good. My, yeah, and my my mom was trying to like force feed me, like you're not eating enough, yeah. and I wasn't, so she was right, but. Um, no, food was just like 
an afterthought for me. Mm-hmm. Usually, it was like, do I like this? I was like, all right. And at that point, it was like, all right, I game tomorrow. I need to have pasta tonight. Mm. Got a carb load. It's <laughs> like, so, all right, well, hey, there we go. Yeah. So yeah, no, food was just food was food, mm-hmm. and to me, food still is food. Like I, I can eat the same thing every day. Yeah. Like it's, I don't. I have friends that are like, yeah, if I ate that yesterday, I can't eat today. Like, well, I've eaten the same dinner for like three weeks in a row now. So <laughs> I don't, I don't yeah. care as long as I'm covered and it makes me feel good. Then it's, and I had some digestive issues. I don't know, whatever. I mean, you could call it whatever you want, but a lot of foods just didn't agree with me. Yeah. And I, never, I really have, I didn't figure out kind of how to deal with it until like not very long ago, yeah. like months like month in you would count it in months like somewhere between a year and a few months i kind of figured it out mm-hmm. and uh i don't feel so much different but i could i do feel better like yeah. a lot of things that i ate like i have a hard time with like processed carbs i imagine so did everybody else but breads pastas don't do so well and then i don't I don't do so well with vegetables mm-hmm. to be honest. So it's, I mean, what I do well with is meat and rice and cheese and yeah. eggs. And I, I mean, that's what I eat right now. Like, like a typical day, day of eating is like six eggs in the morning with ketchup and some ham. Yeah. And then like a pound and a half of burgers with cheese and more ketchup. There you go. Yeah. I've, <laughs> I've been making a lot of uh chicken fried rice for, the the wife and I, but it's just the rice, eggs, and chicken. <laughs> yeah, vegetables. Yeah. I don't want these things in here. Get out. <laughs> no, just take up space. So the yeah, I would. The interesting thing is, I would bring like carrots and broccoli. Yeah, like just carrots and raw broccoli to school for lunch, and I would, I would eat my whole lunch, and then I'd go to class right after, and I'd be like, I have this sharp pain in my stomach. I was like, what is going on? Like, did I just eat too much? And I'm pretty sure it was just like the broccoli or the carrots. Yeah. Because like a day I wouldn't eat the vegetables. Nothing. Well, so, <laughs> so broccoli, if it's not cooked, is really hard to break down. So like it yeah. can deal with a little bit. But usually like what are you just bringing like one little thing of broccoli? No, you got it. Like you, you can't yeah, just got, bring like, a little bit. Them, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that was. And I liked I liked raw broccoli better than cooked broccoli. Yeah. So I would just eat raw broccoli like fairly often. Cause like, I don't know, I don't, my mom still is very vegetable centric. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just have all the vegetables all the time and she would just throw out a bunch of them cut up and I would just slam a whole bunch of broccoli. Yeah. And I'd be like, Oh, <laughs> I have appendicitis or something. Yeah. Well, like, and, and a lot of it, if it's cooked, it's a lot easier to, to digest and you get a lot more of the nutrient profile from it. Um, yeah. but yeah, I used to like raw kale or like I used to be like, vegetables. I'm in, I got, got to eat them all. Uh, yeah, not so much anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, people are learning. Yep, for sure. So you stop running as much. You start lifting more at the gym. Where are you finding these lifting programs? So for a while I was just making them up on my own. The first person that I ever started listening to for workout advice was Elliot Holtz. Okay. I don't know if you're familiar. The, the name? 
sounds very familiar. I'd have to see the face. Yes, strength camp. Um, so this was, and he he used to put out phenomenal, phenomenal videos like eight or ten years By ago. That comment and right re- there, I feel like I know who he is now. And then he kind of went off the off the rails. A li- yeah, a little bit off the deep end. Yeah. He um he. He actually liked one of my Instagram posts one time, yeah. and I kind of freaked out. Oh, there goes my dog. Because I was like, <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, I was like, everything's come full circle. He liked one of my Instagram yeah. posts because I'm a nerd like that. But he was the first person that I ever was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Because, I mean, he was a freak, yeah, freak athlete. Like, he was running, like, whatever. I don't know. He was a football player, like, four-something, like, 4 four forty or whatever. And he was strong as hell. Mm-hmm. And he was a big on the five by five. Yeah. So five by five was one of the first actual programs mm-hmm. put together that I did. And then I did, I did that for a while and it was, it was still hurt. And then I tried. So, so for people so, that don't know five yeah. by five, what would be an example? Oh of a- yeah. So, I mean, you could run through a whole five by five program in 30 seconds. It's like three, three days a week, or I think it's three days a week on say like you do Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Monday, you do five sets of five squats. And then usually you do like not five sets of five deadlifts because they're close. You do like three by five deadlifts and then like five by five, uh, I don't know, bench press or something. And then on, uh, Wednesday, maybe you do, five by five barbell rows, five by five bench and five by five. That's evading me exactly how it works now. Then like maybe five by five squats again, mm-hmm. Friday, five by five squats. Yeah. Main, two main by five lifts are five by then, five. Then you got your accessory. Yeah. They, I mean, they were like, it was like five lifts. I think, I really think it was barbell row, bench press, squat, deadlift. And is shoulder press in there? No, I think it was another lower body movement. Okay. That I'm forgetting. Um, well, yeah, I mean, the basis of it is that you've got like three or five lifts and you just do five sets of five of them like a couple of days a week. Yeah. And I mean, if you want to give a beginner a program, like that's not a bad program. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I think you need to add some accessory work in there to uh, kind of even out the ranges that you're working in. Yeah. But uh, I mean, it'll, it'll you'll get strong fast if you're not hurt right um and you can actually put the effort <laughs> into it so that i mean i did that for a while and it, i mean did what five by five does and then after that i remember so his partner at strength camp was chris barnett overtime athletes um he's a smart guy i i did one of his programs for a while he really got into the triphasic caldees yep. stuff um so I did that, and it didn't really work again because I was hurt. And then I have his book around I, here somewhere, I, but it's a big book. Caldeets, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He he's got a bunch of books out. I I think I have Triphasic for some. I have Triphasic something on my phone. Yeah. Um, he's super super smart. The, some of the problem is that there's just so much information that it's really hard to distill into a normal program. Well, I saw like the program online. It's like, Oh, get the book and like get the program. And I was just like, what page is the program? <laughs> yeah. The problem is the whole thing is the program. Yeah. It's, it's like reading super training by Mel Sif. God, that is like, uh, it's, 
you could write a page of notes from each page of the book just trying to distill it down yeah. it's it's so unbelievably dense with information mm-hmm. so i mean yeah and then i so i did triphasic for a while trying to do it on my own and he's got so many different programs that you got he's got the uh, ankle rocker and repeated sprint ability and um so many other things i was like how do i do all of these and he's got there was one one uh i don't know if you call it a program but it was like a cardio thing but the basis of it was you work your right arm and your left leg at the same time for a minute then your left arm and your right leg for a minute and you go back and forth and you kept your heart rate under x amount like for me i think it was like once 160 or something so not not an extremely difficult like you weren't breathing super yeah. hard but you're going back and forth with all of these exercises and i think the idea was your body has to pump a ton of blood into your left leg and right arm and then a minute later it has to reverse all of that and all the blood's going to your left arm and right leg and it was it was really interesting i wish i could remember what I it's called right never now never even thought of that as like a stimulus or something that would even matter yeah it was it was i mean it worked it was it was hard it was really hard and you do for like 20 minutes other other than swimming how do you work like are you doing like a a pistol and a shoulder press like how are you working the right yeah you would like you would do like a step up short then there were so many exercises like it's oh that makes a lot more sense it was yeah you do like a step up and a shoulder press or like a uh um like a row and something else okay. like a, maybe a, yeah i think there were a lot of step ups and a lot of like single leg squats yeah. and lunges a lot of lunges um and it was it was interesting it was really interesting because it felt kind of weird that you weren't working that hard but your body was like this, this is really difficult yeah Cause it was it is a lot of strain on the cardiovascular system yeah but not a lot of like you're not breathing really hard mm-hmm. so it was it was weird like i would do it with the heart rate strap on and uh i liked it because i didn't have to run and i didn't do it that many times but uh yeah that's just another one of the the really cool things that he put out and uh i mean that's the problem with a lot of a lot of um trying to get information for free like it was on youtube i got it off of youtube yeah um i didn't have any of his stuff at that time and same thing if you try to replicate like a West Side program or you try and any of that, it's like everybody understands what West Side and Conjugate is, but nobody can write a West Side program for the most part. It's really, really hard. Well, and also you got to be on gear. There's no way it's like doing Smolov or Smolov Jr. Well, I so I did Smolov Jr., which is just I think it's like six or seven days at, at six days a week of benching or uh squatting whatever it is you want to be hitting i unfortunately thought it was together i thought so i would go straight from oh. my squat to my bench and uh it, so like i did the mini version of it and i was ruined that's all i was training it was just squat and bench my numbers blew up but i, I was sore as can be couldn't I, I was playing a lot of other sports at the time i was like mm, i'm gonna pass today like i'm just i'm hitting this 
but yeah I, I imagine a lot of that is probably you just getting really efficient at those movements like i would imagine you didn't get i mean you probably got a little bit stronger yeah. but like not you didn't get as much stronger as your bench and your squat went up like you just got really efficient at, yeah. at those movements mm-hmm. i think i do think west side though is if you do it right you can do it naturally yeah. like i i still think it's we i talk about it with people sometimes west side is still the best physics based program yeah you can do um now it's the a traditional west side program isn't that isn't fantastic for athletes mm. outside of maybe like a shot putter or a sprinter right because you they i mean they almost totally neglect anything on the anterior chain mm-hmm. well lower body anterior i mean they have like every once in a while they have like a hip quad or something so why why do you think but, they leave that out because they don't i mean they don't need it gotcha. they don't that's that's all deceleration they have no need to decelerate and like so you I mean you think about how most people squat they i mean you lean forward a little bit you're basically staying upright over your toes like your body is fairly upright and you hinge a little bit but um you have that aspect of the quad like if you do 15 normal squats you're gonna feel your quads the way power lifters and west side squat it's like you're basically deadlifting a squat with a bar on your back it's like a good morning and a little bit of knee bend you just they squat so wide and they reach so far back right there's literally no quad activation so they have no no reason to build up the quads they just have these ridiculously strong glutes hamstrings and low back yeah and i mean that's what propels you forward so as a sprinter that's fine because you got 30 yards to decelerate. But if you're a soccer player or a football player and you got to stop and cut, you just don't have the ability in your um, in your tib in your tibialis and your quads or whatever to to slow down and absorb as much force as your your posterior chain is creating. And I I didn't realize that until too late. Like I I found Westside pretty early. Mm-hmm. Not early in West Side, but earlier for me in strength and conditioning. Yeah. Um, so I was like, oh, I should get these absurdly strong hamstrings and glutes. And I didn't believe in the low back. So I had a ridiculously weak low back that eventually caught up to me and had back issues. But I had really, really strong glutes and hamstrings and <laughs> knee pain and ankle issues and pulled hamstrings still. It's there i mean the conjugate conjugate is great Mm -hmm. like constantly rotating exercises that are a little bit different for the new stimulus um preventing uh accommodation accommodation i think is the right word um and the uh accommodating resistance brilliant 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 Mm -hmm. i mean people are using chains for a long time but louis brought bands to prevalence um yeah after jump jump stretch can't remember jump stretch the founder's name but that's where he got it from and it's uh that's unbelievable and there's a lot of a lot of really really smart things that came out of west side i think the best the best thing that people don't talk about so much is actually the they're really good at taking care of tendons okay and people don't think about it so one of the one of the things that if you listen to like podcasts with um, living some of the West Side guys, they would talk about the uh, doing 200 banded hamstring curls a day. 
and 200 tricep pushdowns a day. Um, that, that, and it's just because there was a lot of that in, uh, AJ Roberts, uh, programming with, that I followed. There was a lot of banded stuff and a lot of, uh, triceps and curls and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, they're just ultra, ultra high volume and standing hamstring curls, lying hamstring curls, banded on a box, um, any kind of tricep pushdown because I mean, if you think about it, like they do squats, they did a little bit of deadlifts, but not that many deadlifts. And then they would bench. And I mean, the way they would bench, there's so much on that tricep yeah. tendon. It's, there's a ton of damage to it. And the to keep it healthy, because their tendons are fairly avascular, like they don't get the blood flow, you just flood the area with blood. Like 200, the 200 tricep pushdowns. And you wouldn't, you wouldn't do it so like, you're like 75 in and you're like, oh my God, I'm burning so yeah. bad. You like, the 200 wasn't, wasn't super hard. It was just movement to get the blood in that area. And same thing with the hamstring curls. Okay. And that's same thing with the sled. They, they, ATG got sleds from Westside. Yeah. Westside, not, they're not, I mean, the story is that Louis saw like some Danish or Finnish or Swedish, one of the Nordic countries their powerlifters were so strong and he was like what i guess he asked them and they were like yeah we did we drag logs backwards yeah it's because we're lumberjacks and he was like oh well i don't have any logs but i can use this sled <laughs> and then i mean then the sleds exploded like that but um sleds are the same thing like it's you can do so many reps of a sled right like you go 100 meters backwards. I don't know how many steps that is, but like it's there's so much, so much blood flow, and that's why ATG loves the reverse sled for the re reverse that knee pain. Um, it's just so much blood flow for tendons to get so much yeah. damage a lot of times. Um, so that's that's one of the brilliant things about Westside that I don't think people see, and then. I mean, obviously, they did a ton of work for it. It's like the JM press is about as much, yep, F, much tension on your tendons and your elbows you could produce. Maybe like a uh, overhead French press, but you could so much weight, and it, you give that to people, they'll be like, "Oh my god, that is killing my elbow." Yeah, like, well, yeah, because you got pretty, you got pretty whack tendons in your elbow. Like, you just, you're not ready, and uh, so they they understood that how important the tendons were. Mm -hmm but they also understood how to keep them healthy to an extent. I mean, there's people get injured trying to lift 900 pounds, no matter how, how healthy you are. Right. But, uh, the other, it's one thing they didn't do is, I mean, you, they basically tried to have a natural squat suit and bench shirt on. Like they were, I, I still laugh when people would, you hear high level powerlifters talking, they're like, you have to pull the bench press down. Because like, you, they're so tight that like you, they can't get the bar to their chest. It's like that's absurd. But it's I mean it's like wearing a natural squat suit. Yeah. Like if you have to come all the way down and the muscles on full stretch, and then you're loading the tendons, you can pop out and be really explosive like that. But I mean, if you get put in a bad position, you're just full pec rupture, right. and then so tight in the hips and the hamstrings. Again, it's like you can just barely get the parallel. And at that point, muscles on full stretch, 
tendons are loaded and you can come back out like that but it's really inefficient for actual movement and right. a horrible plan for everyday people <laughs> well yeah and and that's uh, i i get into a big conversation with people more so i'm just talking to them and they're like dude i'm just trying to lift um <laughs> but i think that if we look at the gym <clears throat> we have bodybuilders and it's like okay great like oh my dog's back um <laughs> and it's like okay great you may look extremely aesthetic one you probably don't but two like you you're going outside and you can't you can't do anything with it like you you got some sweet show muscles that's fantastic but if you're going golfing and like you throw your back out picking up a ball because like you're not you're not doing single leg deadlifts or you're not doing anything like that um and then if you go to like the power lifters I have a bunch of buddies that power lift and it's like, all right, how long are we doing this for? Like, are, are we hitting 600, 700, 800? Like, I, I think mastery is extremely cool, but we don't see 70, 80, 90 year olds doing it. <clears throat> Getting excited. But uh, you, you do see on flow track, I think everybody talking about this, that 70 year old running like a 13 second hundred. Like, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, so bodybuilding is something that you can do for a long time because mm. it's, it's a lot easier on your joints and on your tendons and having, I mean, they do really high reps. Like yeah. when you're bodybuilding, you have, you get a lot of that blood flow and it's good because I mean that it's the same, not quite the same thing, but same idea is those, all the band pushdowns and the hamstring right. curls. Like it's, it's much better for your tendons. The problem is when you're, a bodybuilder and you get that same sort of you're not mobile enough and it, i mean it works with both when you get out and you try and do something athletic yeah if you don't have the range you're when you do something explosive there's so much force so like if you're sprinting and you're trying to you gotta pick that leg up and you're doing it fat you're doing it fast you can that tension it's, it's a lot of times it's too much yeah. like you you try to get up and your hamstrings stretches and your hamstrings not quite strong enough to prevent a tear with how fast you're pulling yeah. it up with all the force like that. And you try and extend and pull it back down and, and then it's gone and you're like, Oh, well, so it's, there's a, and there's a whole talk about an hour, talk for an hour <laughs> about long range exercises, but it's, there's, that's one of the beautiful parts of, ATG and the things that Ben Patrick and Keegan Smith and Ben Clairfield, my mentors have put together yeah. is a system that can be adapted to any goal. So, so I mean, did, there's power lifters did you first, who do ATG. Yeah. Did, did you first run into them in senior year of high school or when did you run into their programming? Oh, like uh, a little over a year ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, so I, I mean, I was, perennial perennially injured like i'm i played five years of college ball and i probably missed two two full seasons rough not in a row okay well probably close probably closer to three actually yeah um from back ankle hamstring knee um hips groin just uh, whatever what, what was I, the what was the pt telling you at that point or like what was what were they telling you 
Um, it depends what the injury was. So I, I mean, ankle, like bad ankle sprains, like it's a bad ankle sprain, it's a bad ankle sprain, hamstring pulls. I, I didn't really get any feedback. Like, I mean, I had, so I had ankle issues for probably seven or eight years yeah. at this point. And it's, nobody ever told me it's like, well, you, you literally can't move your big toe right now. Like your big toe is glued to your foot. It's like, and your arch is just like on you. Yeah. And you said, nobody ever told me it's like, you just strengthen your feet and it's going to make it significantly, significantly well, better. They don't know. I never. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. And nobody ever told me that I pulled my hamstring because I never worked through a long enough range. Like I, same thing with the power lifter. Right. Like when you pull your leg up and you got all that force snaps and it's like, well, it's the same thing for me. I just didn't know. Like, yeah, so I I found a ATG right after I'd pulled my hamstring as a fifth-year senior playing, um, or maybe it was a little before that, somewhere in my last year or so. I I found it, and I joined as a client, yeah. just like doing the online program. And I was like, this is really, really good. Mm-hmm. Like, this is entirely different from anything that I've ever seen before. And I was like, all right. So I did it for a while and I saw a lot of really good, good results from it. And then I was like, I, I, I'm someone that kind of needs to know why things are working. Yeah. So I joined on as a coach, um, after that, and I'm still doing the coaching and still working with people and still in the coaching, yeah, whatever program. Um, and I joined fairly early in the coaching program there's probably three times as many people now as there was when i joined okay um so that's that's when i started to really understand all the principles and then i so in at the beginning of april there there wasn't a lot of posts about it but there were a hundred of us coaches that went down to florida to with ben Ben Patrick, knees over toes guy, and then Ben Clairefield yeah. and Marcel and some of the other, some of the other guys, and got I got my level two certification there. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, and so it's it was an awesome experience to be able to go down and I mean you, it's it's weird to see people that you talk to so much online, yeah, in our like group chat and messaging over social media, and then it's like oh you're you're a real person <laughs> like. You're you're really you, yeah. yeah. Um, Not just some NPC. So, yeah, like it was like it was weird. Like we walked into the they were the convention center and I was talking to some people that I was sharing an Airbnb with, and we're just like standing there talking. And Ben walks up. He's like, "What's up, guys?" I was like, "Oh my god, this is like a you're real." Yeah. And I mean, it it passed quickly because he's he's such a un, unbelievably nice guy and so selfless but um so it passes quickly but it's like well, this is this is weird yeah. and see how it was weird going in and being like i know your name and you look really familiar but i had to put them all together so it was and learned a tremendous tremendous amount being there ben clairfield the i think he's the atg coach now on social media he was a Charles Poliquin student friend. Yeah. Him and Charles are really close. Um, so he has 
this unbelievable reservoir of knowledge from Charles and he runs a awesome, awesome training facility up in Toronto and going through all the exercises. So as a coach, you get pretty good at the exercises. Like your form is really, really good because your form has to be good to help other people. But going and getting coached by the coaches, like getting coached by Ben and also Ben and um, you're like, oh, there's, I mean, there's levels to this. Yeah. Like my form is really good, but it's not perfect. They, like I, I've been squatting for a long time. Yeah. And I got in there, and Ben Clifford was like, pop, 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 like just roasting my squat. And I mean, I, like I, I'm a pretty good squatter. Yeah. Like I can go, I can hit three fifteen for the full, that full pause at the bottom astographs the way atg squat um he was elevated and i was getting flamed like (laughs) like you need like your hands are in the wrong spot you're not looking up your core is embraced you're not positive i was like oh my god this is awesome (laughs) and i loved every second of it because i i'm out of the people that i am around in indy um i'm the only atg guy really like i don't there's a there's one other, there's one other girl in Indy that is uh, a really good ATG coach. We've I've never met in person, and there's a couple people in Indiana, but the people I train with are a lot of people that do lift. Yeah, because I'm still friends with a lot of my old teammates. Um, but I'm the only one who does the ATG movements. Yeah. so it's like I don't have anybody else to compete with on like Nordics right. or doing external. Nobody else does external rotators and thinks it's cool that you can do a lot of external rotators. Yeah. So it's, and then I get down there and it's like, Oh, my external rotators are pretty whack compared to some of these people. Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's hard to be like on your own, um, doing something different. Mm-hmm. Cause I remember like, uh, I was doing split squats, like the ATG split squats in our old college weight room. Um, two months back. Did you or get something. a couple looks? I, well, my old strength coach came up to me. He's like, uh, "This was like 15 minutes after I'd finished." He was like, "Yeah, I was talking to one of the guys over there. He's like, 'You're gonna, you're gonna tear your groin like that.'" I was like, "Well, no, I'm, I'm not actually. Like, you're probably gonna tear your groin because you're not doing that." Um, and I mean, I was doing the split squats. I probably had 100, and, I don't know, 170 pounds on my back or something, Ooh. and. uh yeah, he was like, yeah, you're going to tell your groin. I was like, you don't use social media a lot, do you? <laughs> like you, I mean, he, I mean, he's an awesome guy. He's a pretty good strength coach, yeah. but he just, he's been in the game for a long time and I'm sure he just never seen that before. Yeah. And it's probably still under the, the idea that it's like loading that much of a range of motion. Yeah is is dangerous and it i'm sure if he did it was the same relative weight that i was right. using, like he would but i didn't start there mm-hmm. like i started with no weight right and i got there eventually same thing with the jefferson curl like i can i can do a bodyweight jefferson curl no problem now but if i were done a bodyweight jefferson curl bodyweight like i'm zercher holding gotcha. my body weight um if i would have done that a year and a half ago, I would have probably torn my hamstring off the bone. Yeah. Like it, 
it's and I mean that's the whole thing with ATG is that everything regresses to a level that you can do it right. and everything progresses if you want to turn into a freak athlete mm-hmm. like there's people that do unbelievable things but then I have a client I work with who has no cartilage in his knee and has had knee problems forever and we can do pretty much the same exercises really Nom- like the name is the same but they look pretty different yeah like i like when he i have him doing split squats to get that full bend in the knee and we have him on a bench with a six inch box on top of it and then the atg buddy on top just I'm, there's almost no load on the knee yeah. but we're getting in that range of motion now i can still have him do like the trap three raises and i can have him do a forum over for a step up is, and is he, squats is he and, improving yeah yeah it's getting better um that's awesome i haven't been working with him for that long so it's a long process yeah. to heal something like that but you can see a little bit of process like you can see the improvement in the knee bend and getting more comfortable with load so on that knee so if a uh ex uh, nfl uh lineman had shoulder issues and they keep telling that he needs soldiers shoulder surgery would that be something that you guys could improve on or should he just get the yeah, yeah. oh for sure oh well i mean not that not that there's never a time for surgery yeah. but a lot of a lot a lot of surgeries aren't i don't want to discredit like the medical i'm not a doctor <laughs> um i'm, I'm the farthest I. thing from a doctor yeah but i i think there's a lot of things you can do to be more benefit more to prevent a lot of surgeries. Yeah. Like the number of, the number of, I know a lot of people without ACLs and ATG that do unbelievable things. Really? And not that you can function without ligaments in your shoulder, but there's a lot, a lot of things can be not as they seem. So, yeah. So not that, I mean, how good is your external rotators? Like, is your external inter- internal rotation good? Yeah. Like, is it good relative to your bench press? Like, if you're bench pressing 500 pounds, like, if you can only do an external external rotators with 15 pounds, like, if you want to talk structural balance, like old Charles Pollock, like, you should be able to do with 50 pounds if you can bench 500 pounds. Like, the the standard is 9.8% of your one rep max yeah. on the bench for eight reps on the external rotators. So you could bench 250. <laughs> you should, you technically should be able to do, according to Charles Pollock, yeah. eight reps. It was 25 pounds. Now in ATG, the base base standard is 10 percent of your body weight for eight reps, okay. and that's a pretty good starting point. It's good uh, for your average person. That's pretty yeah, pretty pretty good. And then I mean, it goes on from that, like. 15, 20% of body weight. It, it's something that the external rotator is a little bit complicated. Mm-hmm. But uh, in general, just, and it'll help you bench more too, because I mean, the reciprocal inhibition, like if, you're, if your body can't slow down enough weight and you can't handle that on the backside, yeah. it's not going to let you press as much. So, I mean, there's the, one of the stories Charles Falcon used to talk about was he had a, like a, shot putter i think that was benching like 500 pounds on like a close grip incline press or something ridiculous i mean he, he's like a world record shot put holder and then 
all Charles did was get his external rotators up and his bench press shot up like 80 pounds in like a Olympic cycle or something. And then he went out and broke the world record again. So it's, it's the same, it's the same that you can bench more if your external rotators are strong. Yeah. You can kick harder if your hamstrings are stronger. You can throw faster if your QL is strong. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's so many things like that and brilliance that come from Charles and Ben Clairefield could get into it even more than I can with my fairly limited understanding of it. But it's, it's not missing links in the body is so important. Like there's, I mean, that's why I don't train with the West side version of Kanji yeah. because I, I need that quad strength. I need the hip strength. I need the hip flexors. Right. Like I, it's being balanced is so important. That's why. So we have the, one of the kind of ATG adaptations of structural balance is with the split squat, the uh, seated good morning and the ATG squat. Yeah. So it should, the numbers are based on the split squat. So, what you can do for a split squat for five reps, you should be able to do on a seated good morning for 10 reps. And then you should be able to use twice that weight for, I think it's two reps on an ATG squat. So if you can do a split squat with 75% of your body weight, for me, it's like 135, um, 60 kilos for the rest of the world. Um, then you should be able to do the same weight for 10 reps on an abs to bench seated good morning. And then twice that weight, so whatever, 120 kilos for two reps on a back squat. Yeah. And I, so when I got into the coaching, I thought it was pretty strong. Like I could, I could split squat quite a lot of weight and I could squat quite a lot of weight, but my seated good morning was horrible and horrible for comparatively, not like if you look at the number, you're like, that's a pretty decent seated good morning. Yeah. But like it was nowhere near that one to one with my split squat. Like it was like a hundred and a hundred and seventy to like seventy five yeah. or eighty five yeah. or something. And it's like, well, yeah, no wonder you have back problems sometimes. Your lower back is so weak and you don't have the mobility in your hips. So I brought that up and it was like my squat just yeah, my, like uh, flew up. My seated good morning is a stretch. Uh <laughs> that that is not loaded. <laughs> At, at the moment at least yeah it's i mean it's that's a tough exercise yeah. that's an exercise that you don't see the good morning suck to fail <laughs> we were talking about in the group somebody said that in one of our atg group chats the other day see the good morning suck to fail and then everybody was like that's an understatement <laughs> like <laughs> you're just a pancake um so, yeah you're just flat on the bench so, and it's, so you said senior year you're beating everybody uh, in college. You're beating everybody in fitness stuff. You're beating them in the athletics and all the tests and stuff like that. Um, what what kind of what training were you doing then? That was before HCG, okay. like totally before HCG. Right. Um, what was I doing at that point? At that point, to be honest, it was a lot of West Side. Gotcha. Because I didn't understand how the. That's why I was fast, but I kept getting hurt. Yeah. Um, a lot of West Side. Um. Yeah, main, mainly West Side. But I mean, at that point, it's like with soccer players, like you, if you lift, you're just stronger than most people. Yeah. Most people, either, <laughs> you lift decently, you're, everybody else either lifts really poorly or doesn't lift at all. So I was lifting 
I I was listening in a way that was going to get me stronger. Yeah. So I was like, I mean, oh, the other thing um, I did for a long time was, you know, Paul Favorites, PJF Performance? Uh-uh. So he's a basketball guy. Okay. Um, trains a lot of really, really high-level basketball players. And I think he's got his beef with ATG. But What did um, you say his name was? Paul Favorites, PJF Performance. Okay. So he has he is a program. I, I he's really smart. He's a really smart guy. Um, doesn't quite fit within ATG. What's what's too the beef? Well, but what's the beef? He, I don't know. He, every, the the thing that happens with ATG is like people within ATG are like, oh, these people are all brilliant. They don't do a lot of ATG stuff, but they're really smart. And people outside are like, these guys from ATG are ridiculous. Like I block them on instagram so i i think one of the the beef a lot of times is not um inside the atg system there's not a ton of plyos and a ton of full full long range exercises. yeah like people don't like to split squat people don't like that we squat with our ass on our heels yeah like things like that like don't like that we do dips with our elbows above our ears like people have a problem with that and think that it's either dangerous or ineffective or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, it's, that's not the only thing like ATG puts you in a position where you can do things like sprint and jump and create games like that. But so his, his program is really, really good at getting you to jump high. If you don't have any physical problems, gotcha. which I had all, I had all of, <laughs> I'm out. problems yeah well so i did it and i i i had his vert code program i had his vert code body weight program i had the speed code program like i had all of yeah. them and uh i would start i would start jumping i would start getting more athletic and then i was like i just cannot jump anymore because of my ankle and i my hamstrings right. are tight and it was like it was constant on and off of like doing this really good training and then not right being able to do it anymore so it's they so when we talk about atg there's the really short range exercises the really muscular dominant there's really long range exercises that put a lot of intended and there's mid-range which is where a lot of the science is so like the, if you think about like a half squat it's like you, this is way oversimplification of a really dense topic but if you think of like a Quarter squat is short range, full squat is mid, half squat is mid range, and for some people that's a full squat. But and then squatting ass on your heels being long range. A lot of the science happens in the mid range, yeah. and that's what his program is really, really good at getting you strong in that middle range and getting you really doing a ton, a ton of plyo. Yeah. So I was, I. I dunked a volleyball for the first time on his program because I mean, there's quite a bit of jumping technique in there yeah. and I didn't do so much of that, but just jumping so much, like I just got better at jumping. How tall are you? And I got a little bit more athletic six foot. Okay. Nice. Yeah. So it's, I mean, at the same level now and I don't really jump at all. So teach their own. If I really wanted to focus on jumping, I could, I could get my dunk, but it's that pro that program. If you are 
naturally gifted with good health yeah. throughout your body. Like I wasn't will blow up your vertical. Like mm. you'll jump really high, really fast. Yeah. But I mean, I don't, I haven't tried. He's a durability code out now. I think I haven't tried that, but from what I've seen, it's, it, it would help, but it's not what I needed. Yeah. Like I needed, I needed ATG and I needed all of like the foot. One of the things that was great for me was, I don't know if you've seen Graham Tuttle with the barefoot sprinter. Yeah. He's awesome. I talked to him every once in a while. He's blown up on uh, social media lately. Yeah. Yeah. He spent, he was a lot of time at uh, Mark Bell's and they're in Sacramento and then he's been around all around the place. Uh, He was in Austin, I think. But he uh, he had, I don't know if he, how he's doing it anymore, but he had a ready to run course okay. that was all foot and lower leg and ankle with the purpose of running better yeah. and fixing your feet and ankles. I did it. I did the course twice um, just because I had so many problems with my ankles and it's, it made a big difference. That was the first time I really got introduced to you need to put as much work into your feet as you need do the rest of your body. Yeah. Like your toes need to move really well. You need your splay. You need your arches to be strong. There's a, I mean, a ton of stuff in there with that. So that was awesome. And he's, he's an ATG guy. And there was, those were the things I needed. I needed the really long range exercises and yeah. I needed the foot, not footwork, but as in soccer, but like as in the footwork of like strengthening my feet and ankles. Mm-hmm. It, there was there wasn't anything else out there like that. Yeah, like it's and it's, it's what I needed. So so ATG says like in a lot of the movements and stuff do without pain. What if like yep. stepping like down the stairs causes pain? <laughs> Asking for a friend. And, <laughs> yeah, well do it do it without the elevation. Yeah, like do like so that is I mean that's one of the you go down the stairs and you can't go down the stairs with your knee going over your toe um and that's so that going down the step is to translate it to an exercise is the patrick step yep. up where you're yeah and then there's poliquin and peterson depending but you can regress those to flat ground so say you're standing on the flat ground and instead of reaching your toe down or reaching your heel down to tap the ground you just reach it out forward and you can reach it out as far forward as is comfortable and like like i some people i work with like i have them up against the wall doing steps like that literally just inches forward yeah and a ton of reps like that and then you can go farther as they get stronger and more comfortable and more able to load those tendons but it's you can literally start by moving tapping your heel like this far in front of your other foot yeah. or even i'm still within your other foot so it and then getting a lot of reps like that will build up the strength. And then once those get too easy, you can do it off an inch, off two inches, off a three, to like a six-inch box. And at that point, you're walking down the stairs. Which... And we're doing it. <laughs> yeah, then then you're doing it without pain. And it's like it's yeah, not a short process for a lot of times. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's tough. And it's, but it's something that, ATG and Ben himself was shown that it's so many knee problems are reversible yeah, or 
preventable and fixable and all of that. Like there's, there's a formula to it and it's the knee is a relatively simple joint when you think of like the shoulders and the yeah. hips. So it's, it's easier to put together a formula, but he has done unbelievably well putting together like zero and then dense and standards, advanced dense, advanced standards yeah. are unbelievable programs that will work for 99.9% of people. So if you're, yeah, yeah. I was just say there's very, very few. And if you're thinking maybe I'm that 0.1%, you're not. I would agree. It's, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. And anybody who's listening, you're not that 0.1%. Yeah. Well, like for, so for me, I've never had knee issues before. Uh, I played plenty of sports all the time, but I always lifted and I started playing way too much volleyball, had a kid, had other responsibilities and stopped lifting. And I started getting knee pain. I'm like, what is this garbage? (laughs) (laughs) I had to lift too, but, uh, yeah, a little bit of that, that front of the knee patella tendonitis kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's when you, when you jump, when you jump a lot, there's so much force in those tendons that they get. They get unhappy. Yeah. Well, and and like I'll talk to a bunch of different professionals, and they all give me like, oh, well, when your knee goes over your toe, it's scraping and tearing. I'm like, I don't, I don't think that's where science is today. Like, that's not, that's not what it is anymore. No, it's that that came from there was a study at either Duke or UNC a long time ago, yeah. and it was when your knee goes over your toe, there's a lot more pressure on your knee, right? And everybody went pressure. That's bad. Yeah. It's like, well, how much pressure can you handle? And if you can't handle the pressure, then it's going to be bad. Mm-hmm. But it's well, and then and then he's like, well, you always need to squat like with your knees behind your toes, and like when you jump. And I'm like, any athlete that is moving is going to have their knees over their toes. <laughs> Yeah, have you ever, yeah, like have you ever seen somebody jump higher without their knees going right. over the toes? Oh, it's not well, a thing. Like like in volleyball, you're gonna let you're gonna jump off two feet that aren't right next to each other, and then you're possibly gonna land on one, and your knee's gonna be way in front. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, I mean, there's, I have pictures of me when I'm playing. And it's like, like my shin is almost parallel to the floor yeah. sometimes. Like it's so so far in front of my toes, and it's. And if you watch Michael Jordan, he's like slapping the floor with his ankles right. and his knees. Are, it's like it's th- those are athletic positions. Right. Are they are they necessarily the healthiest positions? Maybe not. But if you want to be healthy, don't compete. Right. Like it's <laughs> so so I, I I'm I'm trying to figure out a good way to test athleticism versus fitness because uh like you might be able to bench 500 pounds or whatnot, but can you throw a football? Can you do this? Can you do that? Other than just running people through like the Olympics and other sports like that, um, would that be the only way to test somebody or how do you test athleticism versus fitness? So, I mean, let's, let's define fitness and athleticism a little bit more. Okay. What, how when you say fitness like being strong in the weight room uh fit fitness i would say is a um your ability to perform a 
like defined action, I guess. Um, gym, gym related, but I would also throw in like okay. a marathon and stuff like that. Okay. And then athleticism, you're just general. Well, so that's the problem. Like can you, I, can, yeah. I looked up the definition of athleticism and it was like ability to por- perform athletics. It's <laughs> like, it does. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think sport, like the ability to perform a sport well is, is part of that. Yeah. So the, the hard part about that is there's I don't think there's necessarily a correlation between just general athleticism something that's really, really hard to measure. Yeah. Because it's if you want to call it being good at a sport, like it's well I know plenty of guys that are horrifically unathletic but played division one soccer. Right. Yeah, a- absolutely. So it's are they athletic? Like, no, but also they're a division one athlete. Like is where, where does that lie? Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's, yeah, I don't, how would you test somebody that's athletic? Is it... So, so, so right now I have a list of like 113 different events. <laughs> 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 so and and I'm trying to figure it out because like for myself, um, unless you played like the sport in college, like I'll be I may not be able to beat you in it, but it'll it'll be competitive, and I don't know if that's athleticism or just because I can pick up sports well or just because I have ADHD and will play any sport till I get decent at it. Um, so I'm 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 trying to figure out how to how to more or less test it. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to get a lot of people's ideas on it. Yeah. So it's, I mean, there's a couple basic, like I, as a five on five basketball player, I'm, I'm really bad. Yeah. Like I'm a really bad five on five basketball player, but I've played people that were, I mean, varsity high school players one-on-one and beat them because just being really athletic, I you're gonna have a hard time getting by me. And if I'm if I'm hitting shots and you're not, yeah. I can I'm getting blow bys and you're just I'm in front of you the whole time. <laughs> so there's the there's the aspect of there's physical and mental right parts of athleticism. So I mean it's how how fast can you cut, how high can you jump, how mm-hmm. fast can you run, how mobile are you, are you able to get into athletic positions? Um, and then there's the mental aspect of it. Like how well do you, can you control your body? How well can you, how was your reactions time? Right. How fast, how, how coordinated are you? Um, so it's, and it, then you can break that even down farther. Like I, how is your hand-eye coordination versus your foot-eye coordination? How well do you control your body in space is, like there's and there's some sports that it's easier to pick up than others. Right. Like, like me going against a, like a Division one basketball player, I would get blown out of the water, but I I wouldn't be absolutely horrible. Yeah. But it's like if I if a Division one basketball player wanted to come play me in soccer, like it would be a unbel- like a bloodbath. <laughs> there's there's some things that are because like you use your hands so much that like got 
most people and I mean athletes in general will have a pretty good hand eye coordination. Yeah. You can you're not gonna be able to hit threes like Steph Curry, but you can do a layup right. and you can bounce the ball. But if if you don't use your feet, like I mean, you know, you were a soccer yeah. player, like it's having <laughs> having to be able to have footwork like a normal person, but then also be able to do it while you're moving a ball right. is is very different. It's the same thing with swimming. Right. Like I I'm not a I can swim. I know how to do it, right. but I'm going to get murdered by anybody who's even a relatively decent swimmer. Yeah. And tennis, like I'm going to get slapped because I don't know how to use a racket <laughs> proficiently. Yeah. But like a sprint, like I could, I know how to sprint. You're going to be faster than me, but right. I'm, there's, athleticism is such a, if you figure it out, I would love to hear it because that, <laughs> that would be fascinating. Yeah. I haven't, that's something that I would have to well, just sit and think about for hours and hours. So the the way I'm looking at it now is because I used to think the scoring would be, okay, the top in the world gets 100 points, and then like wherever you are, you'll just get like a point considering to that. But yeah. now there's something I had no idea about. It's called the Z-score, um, and it's like if you get uh, a relative like, – if you have the top score – and then based off like how much you beat the competition by, like you're getting more points for that. So I think it's yeah. not it's more than a just like a pass fail type of thing. It's like it shows your competency. Like so in a three point contest, did you get last place because you didn't make any? Or did you get second place because you, you still got a lot? I, I, I think that would be a better way to test things. Yeah. That's sort of how I don't know if you've looked into like the IQ, there's God, I think like the the G the G score or something. So there's some there's a whole bunch of different types of intelligence. Yeah. Like you could be really good at R, you could be really good at this, you could really that. So there's the correlation between all of that has a has a name. Yeah. And I think it's like the G value or something okay. for like the ge- your general intelligence. Oh, gotcha. And that's something that people do a lot of research on. It's like, can you improve that? Because I can, you can get really good at math if you do a lot of math. Right. Like if you draw a lot, you can get good at drawing. But can you improve your general intelligence? Interesting. Nobody's been able to find a way to improve your general intelligence score. It's like, well, can you improve your general athleticism in the same way? Like, can you make that jump over and right. apply the same same concept? Maybe. Or maybe... I'm just making you stronger and you're getting faster yeah. and you're able to uh, like the same way. If I teach you how to study better, right. did you get generally smarter? No, you just got more efficient at it. Like, are you more athletic now that you can run faster? It's like, no, you can just get from here to there faster. Cause I know you, did you become more generally athletic? Maybe. Cause I know you can improve your IQ, but does that make you smarter or that just lets you express your intelligence? Yeah, I mean, it's really. I'm not a neuroscientist. I don't claim to even know like a lot about it. I mean, yeah, that's yeah. So yeah, good thing worth talking about it. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's. I don't know. I mean, it's yeah. I'll I'll yeah. And the same thing. Same thing. You can improve your. Like that's the thing. Like juggling, juggling has had a lot of good studies on it. Like improving brain plasticity and yeah. things like that. But like at a certain point you get really good at juggling and then you're just practicing the skill of juggling, not learning something new. Gotcha. So that's, that's the like that. the thing is like, 
Yeah. So you want to get better at getting better at things. The more you do it, the less benefit of that you get. So if I go out and I play more soccer right now, I'm not going to get better at doing new things. But if I go out and I try to pickleball work on handstands, yeah, pickleball, (laughs) I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good at pickleball actually. All right. Pickleball and badminton. I don't know why, but, um, not like actually good, but like good for people that don't play, but the, yeah. So like that going from not being able to juggle to being able to juggle, is probably the most benefit you're going to get out of if you go from not being able to juggle to being able to juggle 11 balls at a time, you're going to get, you're going from five balls to 11 balls. It's just getting better at juggling. Gotcha. Going from zero to three, you're getting better at juggling, but you're also getting better at learning how to do new things. So, I mean, it's like you, I like that. Yeah. I mean, the, the, issue is you the more you do something the less the the benefit changes yeah so yeah like i it's the a lot of keegan the atg mentor talks a lot about that like juggling handstands just doing new things not necessarily mastering you can master it if you want yeah um but fostering that ability to learn new things no i I think that's a very cool idea and i I think we have lots of topics for the next one but uh (laughs) i know know you have a soft out here so uh we'll end with the the same two questions everyone else gets uh actually no if someone was going to find you on social media uh let's start there where where would they find you yeah instagram youtube tiktok at score performance s-k-a-a-r performance yeah shoot me a dm comment on my pictures whatever there we go all right awesome so uh as far as health goes what's your definition of health not necessarily the dictionary definition but what is health to you uh i'd say being healthy is not having to worry about your health like it doesn't stand in the way of anything yeah like, like your knees are healthy if you don't have to worry about your knees at all. You just do whatever, and your knees don't even cross your mind. Yeah, you're you're you feel healthy when you don't have to think about how you feel. You just it's not even in your mind. So, health is not having to worry. Being healthy is not having to worry about your health. That's a great way to put it. I like that. Uh, and then, what's something from your life that uh, people listening to the podcast would be able to take away as a positive? something from my life don't make the same mistakes as others have made i i was fortunate to stumble upon some really great mentors Mm -hmm. who have gone through a lot and learned from other great mentors who've gone through a lot and the number of mistakes i didn't have to make because whether i paid them or managed to get free information out of them or something is a huge, huge time saver. Right. So in invest in other people's mistakes. Yeah. Don't you don't have to make them yourself. Okay. I've made plenty myself and it it sucks. So the younger you can start learning from other people's mistakes, yeah. the faster you'll you'll be able to progress. All right. I love that. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Hey, thanks for having Absolutely. me. Absolutely.